Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. Europod. This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. We work with independent journalists to cover stories on the ground. In today's episode, we'll take you behind the scenes of Europe Talks Back. Our producer, Maria Dios, will take it from here. For today's episode, we have invited Maria Colonna. In last week's episode, Maria covered the effects of climate change in the north of Italy. Maria is an Italian journalist based in Berlin, but she traveled back to her hometown in Lake Como for the episode she wrote for us. Maria, welcome. Hi, thank you for inviting me to this episode. So Maria, you are the reported on the ground for the episode we did on the effects of climate change in the north of Italy. For this episode, we traveled to Lake Como, where the lack of water is changing its ecosystem and also affecting the villages that are located there. But before talking about the work we have done together for the previous episode, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Maria. I am originally from Como in the north of Italy, but now I live and work mostly in Berlin. My formation is mostly as a photographer and a photojournalist. I've been working as an assistant photojournalist for some time, and uh, I also do my personal projects. I've been working mostly on reportages and video reportages. And at the moment, I am back here in Italy because I'm also part of a collective of young journalists that is based here in my hometown in Como. This collective aims to work with uh, the spirit of slow journalism, especially on our territory that has changed a lot in the last uh, 20 to 10 years. So we were born in 2019 and we have done some slow journalism, um, long-term projects. Uh, the focus has always been Como and the region surrounding it. So the territory of Como is a place that I know well because I grown up here, but also it's a place where my, let's say, my journalism interests and my career, let's say, started. So I am still really connected and we still are developing different projects uh, about Como. And of course, we are talking a lot about environmental changing and, uh, for example, the topics I addressed in the podcast. So you're based in Berlin, in Germany, but you're still very keen on reporting on local stories in your hometown. I remember when you first contacted me that you said you were part of this collective that work under the principles of slow journalism. Could you share some of these principles with us? So, or what are the things you try to do when you report on a story? 
Yes, so the principles of slow journalism is basically the idea that we are not following the news, we are not writing or reporting on something that happened yesterday just to report exactly the news or the hot topic of the moment, but that starting from what are the challenges of, in our case, our territory, our town, and the issues that we see, we start these long-term projects that could go on for months. Or uh, the biggest one we did actually took us, um, COVID was involved, but took us more than a year actually to develop. It was a web doc, so a web documentary. So we are a team, we work in team. That's also really important. It's not the journalists as per se, it's more a collective work where each one can contribute. So it's a work of getting to the sources, like working a lot on the material and getting deep into the topic. So that, I would say, is the aim of the so-called slow journalism approach. Okay, sounds really interesting and indeed really important. I think it's a great initiative. But let's move to the story you covered in Lake Como for Eurotoxback. So this is an episode that aims to raise awareness of the effects that climate change has on the Mediterranean area. In this case, we travel to the north of Italy to discover how droughts and floods are changing the ecosystem of this popular lake. And Maria, for this episode, you followed Filippo, a geologist working in Lake Como to preserve the ecosystem. So why do you believe his story matters? Let's try an elevator pitch. So I'm born in Como and I grew up here and I clearly remember in the last two summers to be shocked by what I have witnessed in my own city because one summer I literally saw the mountains coming down. I said I saw floodings. I saw everything that I talk about in the episode, but basically we had these rains going on for days and days and that caused floodings from the mountains and landslides that actually destroyed some little towns that I personally know well and families were evacuated and uh, a road was destructed. Some places uh, remained isolated for days. So that happened. It was July 2021. And then the last year uh, in summer 2022, we had a huge problem of drought. So I went to the lake as I go every summer and the water was so low that it was shocking. You could see these big beaches, these big sand shores that I have never seen before. And actually these two scenes that were opposite, but at the same time, they represented the same problem. So the effect of climate change in this small ecosystem of Lake Como were something that personally shocked me on a personal level, but also made me really reflect on how climate change is not just this topic that we hear talking. It's just something that is actually something you experience and that is affecting Europe, the north of Italy, but uh, in the world, but that you can witness with your own eye. So basically that was the starting point. And uh, I also had the feeling that there was not really a conversation around it, or if there was a conversation, was a conversation that was made only where these emergencies were happening. So we had the floodings, we had the droughts, and each time, you know, there was panic in the news, there was like a lot of attention, but then like there was not 
a broader conversation around it, or I felt there was not. So I also started to become interested in knowing there is someone that is actually trying to address these problems and try to speak about a territory that is really relying on the lake, so the water and the resources that the lake has, and also can, but that is not just, you know, talking about it when something like that happens, but that maybe has worked on that and also on informing people for a longer time. And that's how I actually met Filippo, which runs this association, which is called Proteus. And since 1999, he and his wife started to talk about environmental issues with a focus on the lake and the ecosystem of Lake Como. And actually meeting him made me discover also a lot of things that I didn't know and helped me to understand how complex it is actually the whole problem and the whole discourse that should be made around it. Because when you see like something like drought, this is something extremely powerful as an image. It's something that you cannot deny, but it's also really hard to comprehend and to get the big picture of what is happening. So that's what I tried to address in the episode. And uh, actually, I believe that this episode really gives an image that is complete and uh, really interesting, in my opinion. Yes, uh, for me, this story is a great example of how climate change works. It's not just about an increase in the temperature globally and droughts, but it's also about floods. Because as you said, and as Philippe explains, climate change comes with extreme weather events. And besides, there is also the biodiversity loss. So all of this is present in your episode. I personally really liked one thing that Filippo shared with us about how people in Lake Como talk about the lake as a location where there is no life. I believe they describe it as a dead, dirty and dark place. And still, this is one of the most iconic locations for tourism in north of Italy. So is this the impression you got from people living there or just visiting Como? I just feel that, as he says, exactly like, What is famous, what is the thing that draws tourists and makes people come here and all these tourists, all these celebrities that in the recent years have been really coming to the Lake Como in numbers that we haven't seen before because it was not like that. It's just a big boom that has happened. But what made Lake Como famous is the landscape and the landscape stops at the surface because we are talking about a lake and we forget it. The lake is beautiful because there are mountains, there are small villages, there are the big villas and uh, you can swim in the lake, you can take a boat and it's really nice in that sense. But Lake Como is 400 meters deep and so there is a whole ecosystem that people tend to ignore because it's not even like when you go to the sea that the water is transparent, it's clear, so you can actually see and imagine that there is life underneath. When you go to the lake, the experience is different because it gets deep. In the first few meters, it's already really deep and uh, it's dark. So you think that underneath there's probably nothing or maybe just some random fishes. When it's not true, there is a whole complex ecosystem of fishes, of plants that is 
thriving and is living underneath the lake surface. So when drought comes exactly or where these big floods come, it's also affecting what's happening underneath the lake. And a really interesting thing is that the climate we have depends a lot on the lake because the lake in absorbs the air. So there is a really strong circulation of the air that happens in winter and in summer. So let's say that the lake also works a bit as a regulation for the temperature for a lot of things that then affect the climate we have in this region, the climate we have in Como. So it's really important. And this all is happening under the surface, which is really interesting, but which is also something that tourists and a lot of people living here don't have an idea. Yeah, I also believe personally that we tend to forget that humans are part of this big system that is nature. So we kind of forget that our activity has an impact on everything and that everything is interconnected. So it's good that you share those thoughts with us. But Maria, in this episode, you also bring an optimistic view on climate change. Filippo's working really hard to raise awareness of the effects that human activity has had on the lake for years. I believe you shared the year where he started working. It was in the 1999 So could you remind us how he opened this conversation about the environment in Lake Como? What is he doing to raise awareness? Yes, so he's working with this association and what they are really trying to do is to communicate. So they have some projects, for example, to plant some water plants on the lake ground because, yes, due to human activities, these plants that are really important for the ecosystem and for having photosynthesis happening also underneath the surface disappeared. So they have these projects which are really practical and uh, also innovative, especially for a lake because there are projects that have been implemented in seas and uh, but uh, oceans but not in lakes so on a side they do this which is really less practical and uh, has an effect but also they work a lot in communicating and try to make people aware of uh, their work and of climate change and the effects it's having in our territory. So they work a lot, like he works a lot with schools, with, uh, and he believes, as he says in the interview, that this effort they are doing, especially with the young people, with the students, it's extremely important to connect the theme of climate change on a more personal and territorial level that really also make people and children and students involved. Like they perceive that what they are talking about it's real and it's having a real impact so it really believes in the power of education and communication and scientific divulgation so it stays hopeful because he says that this is the most important part of his job and uh, I, I kind of agree with that in the sense that I don't feel that people now are really conscious about all these problems but the new generations on a bigger and uh, let's say European worldwide level but also on a smaller scale are going to be the people in charge of politics and they are going to have important roles in deciding what is going to happen in the future. So that's also a big part of what he's trying to do. So he's trying to educate people in order to have people that in the future are going to be more aware and more interested in addressing these environmental issues and problems. 
Yeah, I agree with you on the need of educating and teaching everyone the consequences of the way we lived. However, I also believe that the future is now. So I'm curious to know what are the measures taken on the, I don't know, government level or the region level to address this kind of issues? Actually, the feeling that I have and also Filippo has is that some things are being made, but that's not enough, like in a lot of other contexts. And I would say as it is happening on a global level, as you said, the future is now. We don't have that much time. And what I think is that what I see is that there are some smaller measures, some conversation that are starting at least to be open. But when you go to the facts, when you go to check exactly what has been made and what politicians and what administrations are doing, I don't feel that it's enough at the moment. There are good signs of more awareness at the same time and also I'm talking about Como, but as Filippo says, in Como, we are also experiencing this boom of tourism and tourism that brings millions of people in a small territory, which is not sustainable. But still, you know, we are really having profits from tourism, from people coming, uh, the hotels, the restaurants, the whole economy of the region is based on tourism almost. So why should they change something? Why should they put all of this energy and focus on sustainability or sustainable tourism, which is another bigger topic that Filippo addresses? And as he says, like, why should they do it? It's probably something that at the moment is not being implemented. There are not resources on that. There are enough. And I hope that it would change in the future. And Filippo also thinks that this would change where things are not going to work well. But at the moment, I don't think that enough is being made, actually. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's see if it changes in the short term. But Maria, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure. As our conversation with Maria ends, it's time for our typical press review. This time, we will focus on climate change. The deadly heat waves that have affected Europe and the US this summer could have been virtually impossible without climate change, a new study finds. The findings by the World Weather Attribution Network have been disseminated throughout different media, such as the Washington Post, leaving climate change as sex tips without arguments. Over the past decades, Europe has encountered frequent and severe weather and climate-related natural disasters like droughts, forest fires, heat waves, storms and heavy rain. According to the European Environment Agency, climate change will continue making these events more intense and frequent. These events are unfortunate reminders of the changing and volatile climate that Europe needs to adapt and prepare while taking action to drastically reduce carbon emissions to slow down and limit climate change. However, this is not the case yet and the rise in temperatures is also hitting our oceans and seas. 
The latest example in Europe is the Mediterranean Sea, which recorded the highest temperature ever last July. As highlighted by Le Monde, such temperatures threaten marine life. During earlier heatwaves between 2015 and 2019, about 50 marine species were destroyed. We have reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sphera Network project and is available on Europod. Our sound design and mixing are by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Maria Dios. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we will travel to the UK to talk about gender violence. Bye!